every Arizona homeowner's best friend. And it all has to do with you. Thanks for tuning in. It's Rosie on the house. Your weekend wake-up tradition. Back Arizona, we're going all the way to the back 40. Brand new month for Saturday of the month. So we have Julie Murphy with the Arizona Farm Bureau in studio with us talking farm fresh. The goal with this hour every month is to connect you, the Arizona homeowner, with uh, commodities coming farm fresh out of crops and farms and ranches throughout the state of Arizona and all the hardworking men and women in the ag industry that work to provide us with uh, the wonderful food supply that we do have here in the great state of Arizona, $23 billion industry. And our highlight today on potatoes, but we also have, it isn't on the big ag wheel, not, not a overly big potato producer here in Arizona, but they do grow and we do have the capacity to grow potatoes. But we also, uh, you have a guest as always that joins us Saturday with one of your Farm Bureau members from around the great state of Arizona. Yes, uh, Romy, we have to call it a meat and potato day because we're going to talk about Arizona beef and Arizona potatoes. And my guest, our guest today is Matt Harrington. He's a rancher in Graham County, farming and ranching, actually. And we're going to let him tell most of his story. But welcome, Matt, to the program, and thanks for being able to be on. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Great to be with you guys. So, uh, we want to hear the Harrington story. I know a little bit about it because, gosh, a couple years ago I profiled your mom and dad, and and you were already rocking and rolling in Farm Bureau, but I knew your parents better, and we did a profile, posted it on Arizona Farm Bureau. One of the family pictures amongst all of them, literally the you know early family picture, you're being held, I think, by your mom or dad. You were just a baby, but what's this family legacy of the Harringtons in Graham County? So most of our agricultural history in this county is on my my mother's side. Uh, our ancestors were some of the early settlers of the Gila Valley down here and obviously began farming when they got here. My dad's side also was involved in agriculture in other parts of the country, but my dad came here and joined my, my grandpa in, in farming in the Gila Valley in the 70s. So we've been in, involved with agriculture ever since. And your family's covered several of the, of the five C's of Arizona. You know, we, every farmer can tap into the climate, but cattle and cotton. So tell us a little bit more about what you've farmed in the valley. Yeah, that's right. So my grandfather had a couple of cattle ranches, one up by Phoenix, and he traded it for one down here farther south, kind of by the Marinci Copper Mine, actually. And then they began farming uh, cotton, and my dad tried a lot of experiment crops. Uh, sometimes he would try lettuce or barley or garlic or different crops like that, but cotton and alfalfa ended up being kind of the mainstays that worked out for us down here. And then today, if you look around the Gila Valley, you'll see a lot of alfalfa and cotton, and, and of course there's a variety of other things that you're, a lot of forage crops, correct? Yeah, so cotton is the main one, but then alfalfa and then some, during the winter, like some wheat and barley and oats that become uh, hay for livestock. And then, of course, of course, cattle. I know several of the uh, Graham and Greenlee County 
farmers and ranchers up there, they're also doing the cattle. So let's fast forward a couple decades, and now you're raising your own family and starting your own business. And tell us about the business. Yeah, so at some point when I was younger, I guess I just decided I liked cows more than cotton. And a lot of times I question that decision, but that's just kind of where my interest took me. Now, were um, you, go ahead. And so whenever it was time to go to, to school and pursue an education, I studied animal science. And I remember when I was in school think, thinking, I want to take this back home and apply it. So everything I was learning about cattle production and reproduction and nutrition and genetics, I thought, I want to take this back home and help improve our, our industry back home. And so when we got out of school, that's kind of what we set out to do. And so we've tried different things and had some successes and some failures and learned a lot. But our current business is truly focused around helping farmers and ranchers particularly with cattle production, be more profitable, stay in business, and be able to pass their operation on to the next generation. So what's the business and what exactly do you offer? If I'm a rancher in Arizona and, you know, I obviously market my cattle the traditional way through auction, what are you going to do for me if I decide to take you on? Yeah, so we can help people with a lot of different steps along the way or just a few kind of depending on how it fits, but we can provide services like artificial insemination to help improve genetic uh, quality faster and, and improve um, reproduction. And we can help work with nutrition on the range or, you know, on the farm to maximize production And then we have a yard where we can help people wean their calves, market their calves. And then here recently, we started finishing some cattle in our yard and then marketing beef directly. um, And when you say marketing directly, is that direct to supermarket, direct to homeowner, direct to farmer's market? Direct direct to homeowner, direct to consumer, direct to, to Arizona family. So we have a website where people can order a whole, a half, or a quarter beef. And what is and the name of that website? Yeah. Now you're talking. <laughs> now you got my attention. All right. <laughs> yeah, the website is copperstarbeef.com. And so what are my options when I go to the website? I'm sure for the listeners, they might have already plugged that into their Google search, but <laughs> what are you going to offer me? Yeah, so right now we can offer a whole beef, a half a beef, or a quarter beef, and that's basically all the cuts that come from a whole, you know, a whole variety of cuts, steaks, burgers, roasts, and stuff like that, um, or half of that or a quarter of that. Eventually, we'd like to get to the point where we can sell a smaller amount uh, that's a little bit more manageable as far as freezer space and cost, um, but because of limitations with processing and different things right now we're not able to do that yet but we are able to sell a whole a half or a quarter so rosie you noticed something interesting about the website what was the y'all are shipping this uh vacuum packed fresh and leaving us to freeze it so we're not we're not buying a frozen cow is that correct (laughs) well actually so it is vacuum sealed but it is already 
it is already frozen, but it's only it been is. frozen for a couple of days when the okay. you know when the buyer gets it. Four four hundred pounds. So it's or a fresh full, or a big whole cow. <laughs> and what I think's neat, and one of the reasons why I wanted to bring you on, and is right here in the midst of this pandemic, um, early and or late March, early April, there was this shift with the consumer in terms of okay, I can't get enough beef in the grocery store what am i going to do so you know fill your plate accommodates at least a, a, li- a searchable listing of all of the beef producers that will sell to you directly but what matt's um, copper star beef does is kind of he's he's bringing together partners in the cattle industry and then with his aggregation of you know improved genetics uh, finishing the cattle in the feedlot and all of that fun stuff He's really making it more available to you and I as consumers here in Arizona and the opportunities that it affords. Now, I had always heard that a lot of the cattle you see on the Arizona range has historically not really been for human consumption. So Matt's kind of changing that whole formula, right? Well, actually, if it's beef cattle, it's for human consumption. Our ranchers here in Arizona... and. Uh, not too long ago, I'm going to give props to the Arizona beef, uh, the Arizona cow growers. They're one of our organizations that we do partner a lot with. They did a, had U of A, the U of A do a study, and they discovered that 53% of the beef, even in the grocery store, is coming from Arizona ranchers. So well over 50%, you and I, it's just that when you get it in the grocery store, it's not necessarily identifying that it's coming from Matt's ranch. So, yeah, a lot of our beef... Uh, the majority of our, if it's bovine and it's beef and it's a rancher, and that the other neat thing about it, most people don't realize, Matt, help me if I get some of these figures wrong, but, you know, for a regular steer, it takes about two years for it to get to market. Um, and most of that life of that steer is out in the open range. It's They're eating the freshest, healthiest grass that you can imagine out here on our uh, open land here in Arizona, and but what's ha- what also that opportunity is for individuals like Matt is that last four to six months of a steer's life, for example, beef. Uh, you want to finish them off high end quality. You want to add some, at least my preference, Matt. I don't know if that's your preference. You know, finish them <laughs> with corn or just a special diet. Uh, you can be very. Uh, sophisticated about how you finish off your cattle. And that's one of the neat things that Matt does. Um, add to that, Matt, is there anything else I'm kind of leave that I, we should add that I'm leaving off? Yeah. So we do finish our, our beef cattle with corn and we have a, a ration that's very meticulously uh, set up to be just right for optimum nutrition, optimum growth and, Optimum and taste. We, we like a little bit of marbling in the in the beef um, because that adds a lot of flavor and, and tenderness to it. And so we, we do finish on corn. Some people prefer grass-fed, and that's okay. Um, for us, it's a lot more effective for us to manage the steers before they go to process in a yard where we can feed them and, and manage their nutrition a lot more closely. And that's one of the reasons why a lot of times our cattle producers that are direct to the market will do that. They'll dictate that final four months how they want to feed that cattle. It's the Farm Fresh Hour here at Rosie on the House. We're joined by Matt Harrington of Copper Star Beef Company out of 
pretty close to Thatcher, Safford, Arizona, and they've got a couple pickup points uh, looking at their website, one in Tucson, one in Gilbert. We'll have more here at Rosie on the House. Rolling, 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 though the streams are swollen, keep them doggies rolling raw hard. Rain and wind and weather, hell bent for leather, wishing my gal was by my Our guest today... In the Farm Fresh Hour is Matt Harrington of Copper Star Beef. But we are talking potatoes as well. It's a meat and potato day. What what better way to uh, eat your mashed potatoes than with a nice, lean, medium-rare steak? We should move this to the last hour. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I don't have to think about a, a steak and potato meal for two, two and a half more hours before I can do anything yeah, about thanks it. Thanks to you. My stomach's growling. <laughs> so is mine. Potatoes you, can grow in all 50 of the U.S. states. I didn't know that. Yes. Isn't that amazing? And in about 125 countries throughout the world. Sweet potato family belongs to the same family as morning glories, while the white potato belongs to the same group. As tomatoes, tobacco, chili pepper, eggplant. They're 80% water, 20% solid. Eight ounce baked potato has about 100 calories. You know, (laughs) that's as the potato. Yeah, as a potato. That's not not adding uh, Rosie's favorite ingredients to it. Butter. 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 (laughs) It's like that taco salad. Remember that real man of genius, the taco salad? Yes. Only you can make a salad with 1,200 calories. (laughs) But is it healthy? Of course. course It's a salad. It's a salad. (laughs) The other cool thing, though, that's Arizona-based is uh, we range anywhere from 34 to uh, 4,300 acres. um, And the production value can be anywhere from... 10 to 16 million. It's not obviously one of our top commodities, but uh, it does exist. And down in Casa Grande, they have the Frito Lays plant that employs 300 plus people, uh, 325. And Chin Farms, one of our uh, unique and very important farms here in the state of Arizona, Chin Farms, owned by the Chin. Reservation, they are the ones that grow a majority of the potatoes for that factory in Casa Grande. The average American will eat 124 pounds of potatoes per year. Germany's about twice that. All gratin, baby. All gratin. (laughs) And Thomas Jefferson gets credit for introducing French fries to America. He served them for a White House dinner. That's pretty cool. Of all things, you think about Thomas Jefferson, French fries have never been one of them. <laughs> I'm never going to not think about that now every time I hear that name. Oh, yeah, he's the French fry guy. So we can eat our potatoes and we can know they're Arizona grown. Matt, are you a meat and potato? I know you're a meat guy, but are you a meat and potato kind of guy? Absolutely. <laughs> Growing up, we would have a roast in the crock pot with potatoes and carrots. And my dad would want to have that every Sunday. My mom would try to feed us something different and all of us are like why are we eating something different <laughs> <laughs> she wanted to be the chef in the kitchen that could experiment or try just about anything so we wanted to ask you a little bit more about your website and um, some of the things that you're doing and um, how's it going you literally launched this in the midst of the pandemic yeah we had been working on it for about a year previously and then we kind of sped things up to make it happen and I think there's been a, a little bit of a decrease in 
in interest. And like I said, a lot of that is because I don't, we're not able to offer a smaller amount yet. I think that will help once we can offer a smaller amount. Uh, but it's, it's been good. The response has been good. Um, we just want to provide people with a different option, both the producers, you know, a different option for marketing some of their calves and some options for consumers to, to find something more local. So, Well, Matt, if I want to order a whole cow, will you send me a picture of my cow? Do I get to name it? Can we become <laughs> pen pals, me and my Absolutely. cow? You know, Absolutely. Now, if I order a whole beef, 400 pounds today, when could I expect to see that arrive? And how, and how would it arrive? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So, if if you got if you place that order today, we would take that steer to the processing facility on Monday, and then it would be dry aged for two weeks, and so it would actually be available twenty days from today. Oh wow! Oh cool! And I don't know and, about you know for our family, one cow will feed us meat for a whole year, and. And I don't know, like, so when we harvest our own, half of it comes back ground beef. And we always have ground beef at the end. We're always looking for new ways to make the ground beef because the first thing that go are the steaks, of course, and the, <laughs> yeah. the tri-tip and the ribs and you know, oh, the, the sausage. So we always end up with a lot of ground beef at the end. But when I'm ordering a whole cow from you, is that the same? Am I getting about half ground beef? Yeah, it'll be about 40 to 45% ground beef. Yep. And I have, at times, and now that you exist, I'm going to have to solicit my family to do it again. We've pitched in together the three different families within the Murphy oh, family. Yeah. will purchase it together. So I can imagine that a lot of families might do that. You know, that's an yeah, option. absolutely. You just got to be careful who's divvying it up because <laughs> someone will get it. <laughs> <laughs> well, if it's my idea, I get to divvy it up. No. First <laughs> be like, I don't know. You're going to have to call them back. I ordered a lot of steak, and there's none here. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Where'd all the fillets go? I don't know. They weren't in the box, Yeah, I exactly. <laughs> the other thing um, I want to... As far as... Go ahead. As far as how it comes, it, it comes in, in 40 to 60-pound boxes, and it's vacuum package so there will be two steaks to a package one pound packages of ground beef and then three to four pound roast but everything will be vacuum packaged so that it can go in the freezer and stay stay fresh and all you have to do you go get a deep chest freezer that's a couple hundred bucks put it and that's that's just now your meat freezer and again so one steer for us it's about 500 pounds uh will last for six of us a full year meat supply There's some toe-tapping music right there. Put a little smile on your face. Welcome to my house. It's Rosie on the house. Hey, we had the opportunity to drop into somebody else's house uh, this past week, and it all had to do with chocolate milk. Listen to this interview. Rosie at the Solid Rock Foundation, you may know it as Alice Cooper's ministry to the youth of the Phoenix metro area. Alice... You've, you've been a community giver for a long time. Can't thank you enough. Tell us a little bit about Solid Rock, and then I want to talk chocolate milk. Okay. Because uh, when I think of Alice Cooper, I think chocolate milk. <laughs> <laughs> the idea behind this whole thing, I grew up in Phoenix. I have seen the growing problem on the street 
teenagers have a tendency, if they have too much time on their hand, to get a lot of trouble. If they're playing guitar, bass, drums, anything like that, we said, why don't we provide that? Give them a chance to pick up a guitar or to go into dance and learn how to dance or to learn how to this and this. We're giving them an opportunity they never had before. So come on in and find your talent. Kids come in here and they just go, I don't know, I'll pick up a guitar. And, and all of a sudden they go, oh, wait a minute, I can play three chords. And I tell them, well, you can play any Ramon song then, you know. <laughs> and, and honestly, if they can't do that, they, they go to bass or they go to drums. And all of a sudden they go, ooh, now they get addicted to that rather than what's on the street. It could be dance, it could be art, it could be photography, it could be anything. Come on in and find your talent and we'll nurture it for you. And it's a no-cost uh, uh, facility for the teen. How do you fund this thing? Well, that's the idea. We wanted to make it free. And we get every kind of kid in here. Everybody's welcome, 13 to 20. We don't care what your religion, your race, your creed, whatever you are. You are welcome. But all of a sudden, here we got the milk bottle. All of a sudden, this becomes an explosion. People are buying these and collecting them. And it just turned into something that's now become a, a lifesaver for us. Kevin. There's going to be global demand. How are you going to ship chocolate milk around the world? Well, we're not going to sh- ship chocolate milk, but we're going to, like you said, it's a collectible. So um, we're going to ship empty bottles around the world, and that's going to be uh, available at danzeisenderycooper.com. You'll be able to go and order it. Um, and then the proceeds of those bottles that we ship out will come here to the teen center. So uh, the whole goal is to raise as much money as we possibly can. Who would know chocolate milk would ever fund an event like this? And I, Go ahead. The incredible thing is, it's the best chocolate milk you've ever tasted, <laughs> on top of it being collectible. Well, Alice, thank y'all so much for taking this time. Thank you for all y'all do in the community. Thanks a million, y'all. And that milk, Dan Size and Dairy, we've had them in studio before. I think it was Christmas last year. Gosh, maybe we need to get them in again. Kevin would love that. Kevin, Dan Sison. And... When Alice was saying that it's the best chocolate milk, it reminds me of Yoohoo's. You know, we that was always a treat that Dad taught us. You know, when we would go on these long road trips back to Louisiana, if we'd stop somewhere, that was a treat. Do they have Yoohoo's? And you could hardly find them here or there. But it reminds me of of that taste and that flavor. So, oh, it's wonderful. It's special because it's classic and original Arizona. And you do get it in that glass Dan size and milk jar. Yes. I've kept one of mine. It's my water jug I keep in the refrigerator. <laughs> oh, you, you know what? Ours, too. There you go. Yeah. And, and it's funny because we actually had an old plastic jug we used to keep the cold water in. But once we started using the glass, the kids won't even use the plastic one. So we threw it out. So now we have two Dan size and milk <laughs> things as our, our water oh. cooler. So we've always got cold water at the house. But back to our topic today of potatoes. You know, the world's largest potato chip was produced by Pringles in Jackson, Tennessee in 1990, and it's on display where? (laughs) The Potato Museum. Yes, there is a Potato Museum, and where? Idaho. Of course, Blackfoot, (laughs) Blackfoot, Idaho. It measures 23 inches long by 14 and a half inches wide. The world record potato is seven pounds, one ounce, grown in 1953. And in 1974, an Englishman by the name of Eric Jenkins, who had way too much time on his hand, grew 370 pounds of potatoes from one plant. Oh, that's a lot wow. of hash browns. And the potato browns. even has a college bowl game. Can you imagine that? <laughs> that's right. That's right. We definitely need to go to breakfast or lunch after the show. 
I, I'm freer quicker than you, but so um, Matt, continuing on in this meat and potatoes kind of tone, uh, what else do you want to tell listeners about Copper Star Beef and Copper, what you guys? CopperStarBeef.com. And, and I'm, yes. I'm drooling all over this website. And what you're planning to do. How do you want to grow this business? So we have a lot of big plans, but uh, there's definitely some challenges and that we need to overcome and that we have to be patient. Processing is a limitation in our state. I mean, that's why there's not a lot of feedlots here. Uh, there's not a lot of processing facilities here. And so a lot of our cattle go to the Midwest, uh, which is fine. You know, we try to help people work with those traditional markets as well, but we would love to see that, that kind of shift in our state, maybe a, a, some more processing capacity. And then we'd like to see that brand name, Copper Star Beef, that represents an all-natural, local, quality product be expanded so it would be available in restaurants and maybe grocery stores and still be available directly to uh, homeowners across the state. But well, that's, Matt, what, that's what I would like to see. Um, you are the Graham County Farm Bureau president, and you also just applied pressure put on you by all your buddies at Farm Bureau. <laughs> the Ag Innovation Challenge and top prize winners, they get... Uh, the top 10 get $10,000 each and the grand prize winner gets, I think it's 50,000. And I know you've applied, you're competing with 30 other farm bureau, farmer and ranchers on this ag innovation challenge. And again, this is uh, for people that have launched innovative businesses like yours. I want you to be the top prize winner. Then I think you can move that growth in your business a little bit quicker. And again, also as a, you know, Graham County Farm Bureau president, we really appreciate your leadership and your commitment to the Farm Bureau family. Yeah, no, it's been a great experience for me, and uh, we have a lot more to learn, a lot more to experience with Farm Bureau. But as far as the Innovation Challenge, that was a that was a good experience, filling out that application. Um, I hope it goes well. Uh, that's the thing about our business is, is really, it, you know, most of these cattle, most of this stuff, it's not us, right? It's not our cattle. It's providing the opportunity for other producers to also um, get more value out of their calves and, and stuff like that. So we really focus on that, that it's not really about us. It's about helping other cattle producers and helping their families stay in business and, and uh, be successful. I like that attitude. And I think that's so uh, typical in the Farm Bureau family. We're all in it together and we're helping one another. And you touched on a key point is that we need more regional packing plants to uh, butcher more of this meat so we have more local meat. Oh, this innovation is is spectacular, but I think the way Rosie on the House might be able to help the best is encourage people to log on to copperstarbeef.com and order some beef, because if Matt can show the demand there's I, there's entrepreneurs out there that'll create the facility. Yeah. So we yeah, need right, to we right. need to bury Matt in orders today. Okay. What, a quarter of a beef, <laughs> a half a beef, on. or a whole beef. Quarter, half, or whole beef. Copperstarbeef.com. Yes, we're we're pressing this issue for you, Matt, because it's not just you. You're doing it on behalf of a lot of our ranchers here. Yeah, absolutely, and. And I appreciate that. The exposure has been good. I've actually gotten two calls since I've been on the radio that I wasn't able to answer. So I'm going to return those soon, and hopefully there are orders waiting to be placed. Uh, 
In other words, you're kind of anxious to get off the radio now? No, <laughs> no. no, no. Yeah, well, um, we're excited about it, and um, we hope to be able to report uh, the top 10 leads for this innovate, Ag Innovation Challenge that the American Farm Bureau Federation is hosting. I think they announce the top 10 sometime in October, maybe November. But um, this is just an example of some of the things that the Farm Bureau family does on behalf of their farmers and ranchers throughout the America. And then here in Arizona, Matt's also, so he may be president of Graham County Farm Bureau, but he's also very heavily involved in Arizona Farm Bureau's Young Farmers and Ranchers because he falls into that 20-something crowd. Um, he's, he hasn't aged out yet, uh, and he can get involved in that too. And that program allows for a lot of um, leadership development competitions that allow them to build those leadership skills. And it's just pretty cool. So, But your parents were in Farm Bureau. It's almost like uh, it's genetically bred into the family, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something like that. They were very involved in in Arizona, Young Farmers and Ranchers, I think kind of at the beginning of the program here in the state. And so uh, we're happy to be involved. Uh, still have at least seven years to go, so a lot more experience in, in Young Farmers and Ranchers and a lot more competitions to hopefully win. Are you ready for the cooler weather? Because I know when it comes to cattle ranching, and it's kind of tough right now on some of our ranchers. Uh, they're hauling water, by the way, to... Um, uh, to their water tanks because we just haven't gotten the rain that we need. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of tough no, on it them. It is very tough, very tough. Uh, been a been a pretty dry year, very hard on a lot of ranchers, and uh, hopefully there's still a little bit of moisture in the forecast and, and some cooler weather ahead. One of the things that for my ranchers that are very involved on social media and they're they're going to always report when they got a good rain that fills up their stock tanks because and it, they'll let you know if they're having a fire on their ranch they'll let you know because they work very closely hand in hand with uh, the forest service and some of the other agencies that help battle our fires so it's kind of uh, very important and critical that we support our farmers and ranchers and for those that sell directly um, you know Matt you're talking about uh, a group of farm ranchers that you're working with, with Copper Star Beef. Um, there's others out there that may be exclusive grass-fed beef, and fillyourplate.org can kind of highlight that. Our two top commod ag commodities on Fill Your Plate that people search for is beef and wine. And maybe now they'll start searching for <laughs> potatoes. We have a lot of potato rice recipes on Fill Your Plate, too. So uh, what else can you tell us as a wrap-up, Matt, about what you're – hoping for as we move into the fall season yeah well again just you know thank you for having me on and, and for anyone that's listening that wants to order obviously we hope you order but anyone else in the restaurant industry or food service or anything like that that is interested in partnering or or working with us we'd we'd be happy to have that conversation there's a lot of growth potential um a lot of potential in our state especially for this kind of thing. So anyone that's listening that wants to know more, wants to get involved or work with us, uh, we would be happy to have that conversation. Copperstarbeef.com. Matt Harrington, thanks for spending Saturday morning with us from beautiful. Uh, you, now, is, is it Graham County or Gila County? It's yeah, Graham County. Graham County. And you better Pretty get... area. Yeah, and you better get on the 
phone and talk to those customers that are already calling you for this <laughs> radio show. Absolutely. That's fun. I don't like caviar, sushi bars, the IRS are phony stars. I'm a haggard fan, a meat and potato man. Now, you were mentioning during the break, Julie, that some people don't or give up on that because they end up with half ground beef when you order a whole or a half or a quarter. Um, but, you know, we had a guest on earlier, and, I'm, and I know when it was. It was in May, and it was Arizona grass-fed beef. Yeah. Um, and you can order smaller quantities from them. Right. And I know that because I tried to order some, and... Just yes. to compare it to ours and how it tasted and everything. So that's Tim Peterson from Yavapai County and Farm Bureau member. And he he has been able to do that. He also has his own processing plant as part of it. So he's able to, and just but his business model, believe it or not, you can ha- define and refine these business models with uh, local beef just the way you want. And he's had the capacity and the ability to do that with how he's partnered with some of the other ranchers and his own beef because he raises his own beef. Another one that's exclusively grass-fed is um, um, the Tomerlins. They do exclusively grass-fed. And even Matt, in his situation, if he has a customer draw on just exclusively grass-fed, he can set up beef in his yard so that they're finishing them just on basically alfalfa or whatever forage. But um, some of our beef producers can offer up that exclusively grass-fed beef. Yeah. We didn't get it. Um, not a fault of theirs. We had a rodeo in Las Vegas, and that's why I know it was May because that time frame. Oh, that's right, yeah. And it didn't say cold-packed on the box, and the person right. that was picking up our mail the week we were gone left it sitting out. Oh, no. So we got back, and it had spoiled. But... Um, because I wanted to see specifically the grass fed because we finish with cob, corn, oats, barley, and you, we get the wet mix so it's got molasses in it. We really like. You that. have to try it. And uh, Tim Peterson's his his beef is really good, so you'll have to try that. All right, now I had you guys do something earlier. We all wrote down our favorite three places to get a steak, and nobody's seen each other's notes. Julie, you want to start? <laughs> I'm afraid to start. So I always just say Dad's place because no he, place like home. There's no place like home, and he cooks a really good steak. And today we're uh, we are going to have steak because today is Dad's 82nd birthday, and he's the barbecuer. So we're gonna we're bringing I'm bringing the steaks, and we're going to fry, and it's going to be a good day. All right. So outside of home. Rosie? Well, uh, the best steak I've ever had was at your house. <laughs> I, w- I wish I could cook a steak as good as you can. Well, that, that wasn't just me. That was the, that was the finishing cob that we just talked about. <laughs> well, it is. And, and other than that, you, you cannot beat the steak at Baby K's house. Oh, and I don't know if I've had it at Baby K's oh, house, so I'll have to the, try that. The, yeah. the, the ribeye at Baby K's house. Is All right, the just... restaurant industry is really suffering. I'm trying to help them out here. It's inspiring somebody <laughs> if I'm gonna a good go, steak. If I'm going to go out for a steak, I'm going to go out for a good steak. So it's going to cost me 80 bucks, And I don't know any other place I can get a really great steak consistently every single time. Mastro's on Pima. Okay. That's, that's where I've never been there. Pima. That's my designated 
go out to have a steak. And Stockyards is good, too. Uh, and you saw, I yes, wrote down Stockyards. Stockyard is good. On Washington. Also, Durant's on Central. Yes. Uh, oh, I've been to Durant's, too, yeah. Dirtwater Springs in Apache Junction. That's uh-huh. that's like your, your cowboy steak. That's a really good place. Mm, and what's that called again? Dirtwater Springs. Okay, Apache then I'm Trail. just going to add it to my list. <laughs> <laughs> Not too far from you. You're out in that Southeast Valley. Yep. So then... Because we're a statewide broadcast, if I'm in Tucson, the only place I'll go, I go for a steak. Because, like Dad said, when you want something consistent, you go is Silver Saddle Steakhouse, yeah. and it's the old West type open pit, and you get your that's a good. You talk about a baked potato and your big old salad and some cornbread, and uh, and then if you're up in Flagstaff, there is Black Bart's is a great yes. uh, great steakhouse. I've been there too. And then mm-hmm. if you're in between there, I had to throw in Rock Springs. <laughs> if you're running in between there, so if I miss, you're, I miss Pinnacle Peak Steakhouse. Yeah, well, the, well you I know, guess because of the tie that the they come. I, I had to scratch off when I started writing this. I had to scratch off Rialto Pass, uh, okay, Pinnacle yeah. Peak, and Cork and Cleaver. All of the, the first ones I started to write down. I'm like, wait, no, they're not there anymore. Uh, so to stay with there. the theme, then <laughs> when you go to a great steakhouse, what are you always getting? Are you always getting the baked potato? Well, like Dad said, mashed potatoes. If we're going out, garlic garlic mash. If we're going out, I'm gonna get, uh, you know, a filet mignon. That's what I'm gonna order while I'm out. If I'm going to a steakhouse, Um, and yes, get get the mashed potatoes. The mashed potatoes. (laughs) I can bake a potato anytime. I get the mashed potatoes. (laughs) Oh, that's good. Now I'm really hungry. (laughs) I've never. There's been a few listeners. Reach in the refrigerator and cook steak and eggs this, this last hour. I'll bet you that. And for our families that are still sheltering in place, if you go to fillyourplate.org, you'll find a lot of recipes, potato recipes. Just search by uh, ingredient. In this case, it would be potatoes. And, of course, every family probably has their special way that they cook or fry their steak. So we have all sorts of opportunities. And because potatoes was the theme this show, we uh, had featured just last week, we released that article, uh, the top 12 fun tips about potatoes. You can go to, go to our blog and literally just plug in the word potatoes in the search bar and up will pop several articles about potatoes and some of the other interesting things that ways we can cook them and things that we can learn about them. In October 1995, potato became the first vegetable to be grown in space. NASA, along with the University of Wisconsin, created the technology with the goal to feed astronauts on long voyages and to potentially feed, quote, space colonies. And, you know, if we're going to continue talking about potatoes, we have to mention that the potato barn is another one of those interesting places. Uh, located in the East Valley, they're actually revising this potato barn that used to be a furniture store prior to that in 1966. It actually was a warehouse for Arizona-grown potatoes. And it's now a furniture store. (laughs) It was a furniture store, (laughs) but now they're refurbishing it, restoring it. I'm not quite sure what it's going to end up 